Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. And I have found that the best kind of buffer is to have a hard and fast rule. I never say yes in the moment. Because in the moment, I'm feeling obligated, guilty, pressured, anxious. And making a decision from those emotions is bad news. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Many CPAs struggle with people-pleasing, saying yes when they might prefer to say no. As a habit, it can result in all kinds of undesired outcomes. And because it comes with some pretty sneaky rewards, it can be a hard habit to give up. Here today to talk with me about this problem is my guest, Sarah Bybee-Fisk. Sarah is the creator of a 16-week course called Stop People-Pleasing and is a master at simplifying the complex. Sarah, welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you, Geraldine. I'm, I'm really so excited to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation because a lot of CPAs, like I said at the top, are struggling and the result of saying yes and making other people happy at their own expense is significant. And, um, and I think largely undiscussed although probably many recognize that it's a problem. They don't know what to do about it or how to solve it. So help us understand what people-pleasing is and where it comes from. People-pleasing is the way we are taught from the time we're very little to get our needs met. We come into the world and we're wired to have the need for security, predictability, safety. We also want to belong to groups. And the first group that we belong to is, is a family where there sometimes are parents or other caregivers. And from the very beginning, the big people, that's what I call them, either parents or caregivers, the big people tell the little people, here's what we want you to do. I want you to eat your food. I want you to not hit your brother. I want you to get a good grade in this class. I want, And so the big people have expectations and rules and the little people keep them. And when the little people keep the rules, they get rewarded. We get to belong to the family. We get told good job. We get told you're such a great example. People pleasing is not avoidable because it's the way that we are set up to get this, this exchange of like, I do this for you. You meet my need for security, safety, predictability, belonging, love, friendship. Okay, wait, so it's not avoidable? Are we totally screwed? Not avoidable. And actually, it's a beautiful thing because it keeps us 
the human race has flourished because of people pleasing, right? If, if we did not have some way to exchange between little people and big people where the big people could feel like I'm doing such a great job because Sarah, I told her she should get an A in this class and she got an A and now I get to feel like I'm a successful parent. I'm doing the right thing. I'm a successful big person. If there wasn't some way to keep that big people feeling good about themselves because the little people are keeping the rules and the little people get their needs met because the big people then give them belonging and love and security the human race would not still be here. So it's not that we're screwed. It's that nobody ever teaches us that, yeah, this is how it works when you're little. But as you come into yourself, you might discover, I want different things than the big people have told me I should want. And nobody ever teaches us how to stop people pleasing. Okay. So it sounds like people pleasing in a way is sort of like social glue that keeps us together and has a very good use at a certain time. But then where we get stuck is, like you say, we don't know how to stop doing it. We just we learn how to do it, but we don't learn how to undo it. And that's where we get ourselves into trouble. Let's talk a little bit about all the sneaky ways that people pleasing is showing up because we haven't learned not just perhaps how to stop doing it, but also how to recognize it. Because I think there are some ways that are kind of sneaky and kind of tricky. So can you talk about how it might be showing up in our businesses, unbeknownst to us? One of the things that's really important when you want to study this, you know, what effect people-pleasing is having in your business is to develop an awareness of how it feels to say no when you think you should say yes or to say yes when you think you should say no. Because if you pay attention to what is happening in your body, there's some anxiety or some worry or some fear that if I say no, when the rules tell me I should be helpful, I should be accessible, I should use my time to help other people, like all of those unwritten rules sometimes written, right? Written and unwritten rules of the groups that we belong to. It's really important to pay attention to how it feels when you violate or contemplate violating one of those rules. And a rule violation could be as simple as someone asked me to do something. I really feel like I should say yes. I contemplate saying no, and I'm instantly like anxious or afraid. Because those little interactions really tell a lot about the level of safety that we need to feel to break the rules, which means saying no when, I th- when my brain tells me I should say yes. So the first like real step, concrete step to, to, to sink your teeth into is think of a time when you said no when the rules of, of the group or the rules in your brain might have said, oh, you should have said yes, you should be helpful, you should be accessible. How did it feel to do that? Or how did it feel to contemplate doing that? And if it's worry and anxious and fear, that's people pleasing. Okay. And it's probably also guilt for a lot of people. Yeah. You're like, I, I know I should say no. I know I should say no. I need to say no to this. Yes, I'll do it. When you want me to start? <laughs> it's like how it probably plays out, right? And and how that feels in your body. Because yep. your brain is like, don't do this. You have too much to do. That's This is really hard. And your brain also argues, 
you're supposed to be good, you're supposed to be nice, you're supposed to be accessible, you're supposed to help people. So your brain doesn't tell the truth because your brain just argues both sides. It's really how it feels in your body. Like, I'm worried, I'm tense, Mm -hmm. I'm anxious, I'm fearful. That will tell you if you really have a choice in the matter, because that's what it comes down to. We say no, we, we give the answer that we know we don't want to give because we don't feel like we actually have a choice. Right. And the choice that you're facing is either I can experience this anxiety or guilt by saying no, or I can, I can at least appear to avoid the discomfort of anxiety or worry or guilt by saying yes, that will, if I say yes, that will assuage any sort of discomfort that I might be experiencing. So I might as well just say yes and get this over with. But then you end up creating like bigger levels of discomfort because now you've said yes to all these kinds of things and you can't handle it all. And you're you're like double booked, basically working 80 hours a week. And then but then you're on your so you're experiencing your own discomfort, but just in a different way. So why are we doing that? Why are we setting ourselves up to experience massive amounts of discomfort in the form of no time for family, no time for self-care, no time to eat healthy, stressed out about, you know, am I going to be able to get my work done because I now have set myself up, put myself in a position to work 80 hours a week all because I didn't want the other person to feel bad and I didn't want to feel bad in the moment. So help us. Well, part of it, it's just a pattern, right? We've just been doing this for decades saying yes when we should say no, because we think we should. And we feel guilt and obligation and all of these uncomfortable emotions. And what we just don't realize is that it's uncomfortable either way, like you just said, like, Mm. to say no is also uncomfortable, because then you have to feel a different kind of guilt, and it may be a different kind of obligation. But to say yes, and to take on all this work, and then you're feeling resentment and, and, and overwhelm. We're just not clear in the moment of when the request, let's just go with this you know, example of someone asks us to do something as our example. In that moment, we're not slowing down enough to ask ourselves the question, which discomfort best serves me? Which discomfort best serves my business? Which discomfort best serves my family? Because it's uncomfortable either way. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, just the very nature of the question, which of the discomforts do I want to choose right now? Exactly. <laughs> <So> crap. <laughs> Shoot. Why is this happening? Before we go to why is this happening? Like why? Because for some people, when you're in this situation and the answer needs to be no, and it's clear, you're like, no, I, I don't have capacity right now. I can't take you on. It's not an emotional thing. Um, can you help us understand when you expand it out, all the kinds of problems that people pleasing might be causing so that people can recognize in their own lives and in their own business that this might be the source. Yeah. Like, are you able to set a schedule for your time and stick to it? Are you able to make commitments and keep them? Are you able to show up for things on time? Are you able to take on projects and finish them in a timeline that is pleasing to you. A really basic measurement of this is like on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like I am completely in control of my time, the way I spend it, what I do with it. I limit my work to the hours in which I want to be working I'm able to live in accordance with my highest values, meaning 
I have some time for my family. I have some time for myself. I have some time for my hobbies, for my my outside of business pursuits. That would be the 10. And one is like, my life just happens to me all the time. And it's this wild ride. Half the time I want to get off. Half the time, like I'm not in charge at all. So where yeah. are you on that continuum? Okay. So at a one is like, I'm at the mercy of circumstances. And at a 10 is... I'm in control of the things I can control, which is, you know, my schedule, my day, finishing the projects that I basically in alignment with the word that I gave. Like if I said I would do it, I would do it and I can stick to it. And I'm not swayed by all the unexpected things that happen. Yeah. And I'm able to limit my work to the hours of my choosing. Yes, there are always going to be things that come up that are completely unexpected. But because my norm is to limit my work in a way that I'm happy with. That's not the norm. Like every once in a while, yeah, some kind of, you know, unexpected circumstance presents itself, but that is not the norm. Whereas for yeah. a lot of people, it's the norm that yeah. things are a little out of control all the time. So, four people in the last 24 hours on my calendar have requested to reschedule. And I was just like, "Huh, either the universe is conspiring to give me a day off." <laughs> Or people are overscheduled, <laughs> right? Like every accountant, just about 98% of them are way overworked. And when I say way overworked, I'm talking like 60, 70, 80 hours a week is the norm. And still saying yes, even though the, the math just says, no, you can't, you, you don't have time. But I think where people get stuck is right in the moment, right? How can they set themselves up beforehand so that they don't find themselves in the moment of having to make a knee-jerk decision and just out of habit saying yes when they'd rather say no? I love this question because it's actually pretty simple. You have to have the rule that you never say yes in the moment. You always oh. give yourself some kind of buffer. If a potential client says, hey, I'd really love you to do my taxes, you have to have some kind of memorized standard response that goes something like, I would love to check and see if that's possible. I will get back to you. Let me check my schedule and let you know. Some, you have to provide yourself some kind of buffer. And I have found that the best kind of buffer is to have a hard and fast rule. I never say yes in the moment. Because in the moment, I'm feeling... Uh, obligated, guilty, pressured, anxious, and making a decision from those emotions is bad news. Yeah, it's never going to work. So number one, yeah. to always provide a buffer, some kind of memorized phrase, like the answer, I'm not going to tell you yes right now, I'm going to check and I'm going to get back to you. And then both parties can like return to their corners. And that's when accountants can examine like, why do I really want to say yes to this? Is it consistent with my values of like, this is when I work, this is when I have family time, this is when I have time for me, etc. And then they can prepare a response that isn't going to feel good, but at least it's consistent with those values and it's out of the pressure of the moment. I love that. So it's almost like the default, like training yourself to have a new default in which the answer is always, let me check. Yes. And I will get back to you. Yes. <laughs> so the, you're not approaching it with the default of the answer is always no, because that's then why even have the conversation. Right. Um, although we could come to that in just a second, because I think that might be a possibility. But you're not showing up totally closed down. 
you're showing up with, all right, I'm I'm open to this. I'm not sure the answer is going to be yes, but for sure my default response, the words that are going to come out of my mouth is going to be some variation of, let me get back to you. Exactly. Okay. That is so good. I love the buying time because like you say, in the heat of the moment, you'll do anything to escape the discomfort of the, the cognitive dissonance. And your brain isn't even thinking ahead to the discomfort you're loading on to yourself, the future resentment, the future fatigue, the future overwhelm that you're putting yourself into by saying yes in the moment. So somebody said to me recently, she's like, you know, I'm not good in the moment. So I have my front desk take care of all these kinds of things. And I've told them, don't let them get to me because <laughs> they know. And I know that if they get to me, I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to cave. So what kind of systems can we put in place in advance so that we don't even find ourselves in the situation of being exposed, if you will, to the risk that we might say yes when we'd really be better off saying no. I love that question because what it invites, I think, out of people is to really grapple with the question, which discomfort do I want? Do I want the discomfort of saying yes in the moment and finding myself overwhelmed and overworked? Or do I really want the discomfort of learning to sit with the guilt, sit with the obligation, sit with all of the uncomfortable feelings that I am going to feel if I say no? And how can I do that? The very best thing to do is just feel guilty. Just. What? I know. (laughs) To not talk yourself into this fantasy that sticking to your time limits for work or sticking to the limits that you want to put around the time that you're at the office is going to feel good. It is not going to feel good. Oh, I think all of us have the expectation that we should just feel good all the time. Why why not? (laughs) (laughs) Once you just make peace with the fact that when I break the rules that I have been raised with, that I should be good and kind and say yes and accessible and I should serve people and I should help them, that's not going to feel good. But it is in the highest service of the person I want to be and the life I want to live. What about the actual belief that I should be accessible? What if that's not even necessarily true? I mean, I should be friendly. I should be helpful. I should be accessible. I should give my time. Is it worth debunking those thoughts? Or does in the end, does that not even matter? Is that not practical? Here's the crazy thing. We are still going to do things for other people. We're still going to take on clients. We're still going to, like, we want to do that. We just want it to be our choice. And so, yes, it is worth asking the question, why do I say yes? What is the feeling that I'm trying to avoid by saying yes? The answer to that is, I'm willing to avoid guilt now to feel overwhelm and resentment later. Essentially, what we're talking about is to name the emotion that I'm trying to avoid now and to name the emotion that I'm putting my, I'm setting myself up to feel later. And do I like that? Do I like that trade off? Or would I rather just feel guilty now and avoid the overwhelm and resentment later? It sounds so simple. And yet, in the moment, it's like I, I, I would rather feel overwhelm and resentment later, clearly, because that's what I'm choosing. <laughs> so, that must be the preference. But it also sounds like you're not going to be making you're not going to be doing this calculus in your head in the moment. It sounds like 
stuff you need to be kind of reflecting on when you're walking through the forest to be like, okay. That's why you never say yes in the moment is because you have to give your brain a chance to remember, oh yeah, we don't want to feel overwhelmed and resentment later. We don't want to feel exhausted and like we are running on our on fumes. We don't want that later. And so we're just going to feel some guilt right now. I mean, it's so it seems so simple. Simple is not easy. So why does it take 16 weeks to stop people pleasing? And does it really only take six weeks? Because I feel like it takes 16 years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Stopping people pleasing has to feel doable. And so for most people, they are in such a state of overwhelm and feeling so out of control that it really does take some time to like back it off to here's one thing that I do. Here's one place that I know I people please. So for example, when I started doing this work, it was with my parents. They live very close to me. Whenever they had a request, I would drop what I was doing to meet their request. I definitely felt huge overwhelm about all of the people pleasing in all the places, but I decided to just focus on one area, like my, my relationship with my parents. And so I did the thing where I was like, I'm not going to say yes in the moment. And so mom would say, I need this from Costco. I'll go get it. (laughs) I'll go get it, mom. Right. And I would just, my rule was I never say yes in the moment. Let me take a look at when I could make that happen. I will get back to you. Okay, this is great because accountants on the receiving end from their clients, they're like, I need this financial number. Can you get it to me? Or the not even can you get it to me? I need this number. And then I think the response typically or often sometimes is, okay, and then the the assumption is they need it now and I must get it to them now. There might be some upfront work of like, hey, this is how I handle your requests. Like to all my dearly beloved clients, if you email me asking me for this number, I will have it to you within 48 hours or some kind of pre-expectation setting of a buffer, but where you give yourself the option to not drop everything you're doing because you're so worried that this client will be upset if you don't get them this number immediately. So what do you do if the client does get upset (laughs) that you don't get them the number immediately? Then you get to feel the feelings of having an upset client. Mm-hmm. Okay, a lot of people aren't going to want to experience that. They'll do anything to avoid it. Then every person has to decide, what percentage of my life am I willing to give away to this in the moment, I need it right now, emergency? And what boundaries do I want to put around that? Am I okay with having this constant emergency button that my clients can push that I jump to and respond to every single time. Like, am I, how, how comfortable am I with that? And, and for every person, it's going to be different. But the, the bravery to look at that question of like, okay, I have set up this expectation with my clients that they push the emergency button and it's an email saying, I need this, or it's, please, will you do this for me? And I jump. Do I like how my life looks when we have that? That's another way of let that that one to 10 scale. Like I'm currently operating at a two where my clients, I'm dropping my things all day to do things for clients. And then at the end of the day, I have all the things that I was supposed to get done during the day. And I still have to do all of those, right? So I'm at a two. Do I like my life at a two? If not, what can I do to move it to a two and a half? 
Like what is what is in the way of it being a two and a half? And sometimes it's setting expectations beforehand. Listen, clients, this is when I answer these type of requests, or this is the time limit that I have chosen because I'm the CEO of my brain and I'm the CEO of my business and I'm the CEO of my life. This is what I have chosen because I like my reasons and this is how my business runs. So I might not be the accountant for you if you want to press that emergency button over and over and over again and just have me jump because I don't like my life and my brain when I operate like that. That's going to be a very personal decision. But if someone wants to move from a two to a two and a half or to a three on that scale, there's going to be feeling some uncomfortable feelings involved. So let's go back to the Costco example. Hey, I need something from Costco. Starting in just one place. Keep going on that thread for a minute. And what starts to happen? Like, what do you notice when you start practicing this? So the first thing you notice is the discomfort in your body. Like when mom calls and says, I need hearing aid batteries, instantly I'm like, oh, because I know my default is to say yes and to drop my plans to go do that because hearing aid batteries are definitely more important than whatever I have going on. If we go back and I have done this, I'm the oldest of six children. My mom had six children in 10 years and she relied on me for a lot of help and I was I was given the role of the helper and I was praised for being the helper. I was praised for being the one who would drop what I was doing and help her. So it's no surprise that I still want to do that. It's what my I was mm-hmm. trained and programmed to do. But again, now I've had to examine, like, do I like my life when I am dropping? Like, she knows I will help. She knows I'm the mm-hmm. one to call. She knows I will she knows I will drop what I'm doing. And she's not mm-hmm. doing it in a vicious or malicious way at all. She just wants her hearing aid batteries. In the context of kind of what we're talking about, I focus on one area, my relationship with my parents. I look at where I am and like I'm like a 3 on the 10 scale when it comes to mm-hmm. dropping everything and pleasing my parents. How do I move it to a 4? The first way to move it to a four was to not say yes in the moment. Say, let me check my schedule, mom, I'll get back to you. And then to be very truthful about the only reason I want to say yes is because I feel guilty if I say no. I'm just going to let myself feel some guilt and I'm going to tell mom, hey, my next Costco trip is scheduled for Tuesday. That's in three days. Does that work for you? If not, here's here's Costco.com. You can order some online. Exactly. And if she says, no, that doesn't work for me, then I still get to feel the discomfort of sticking to uh-huh. my plan where I'm like, okay, all right, well, let me know how, how it, what you decide to do about that. I'm happy to go on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. That feels so unc- Even me, I'm just sitting here going like, <laughs> Yeah, which is so great okay. because you do get good at feeling uncomfortable. And that's the thing. All of these poor overworked accountants, they are feeling uncomfortable anyway. So it's really just choosing which kind of discomfort best serves them. There's no opt out button for discomfort. (laughs) Terrible news. Okay, I love this. Get good at feeling discomfort and leverage your strength, which is your you already have an excellent ability to feel discomfort. And it's already happening a lot and you have a high tolerance for it. So leverage that tolerance for it. 
just do it in the now instead of in the six months from now. Okay, so I want to come back to 16 steps. I, and I also want to know, like, you chose your parents, which seems like the hardest place to start. Like, why don't I just toss myself off of a like black diamond ski run as a beginner <laughs> and see if I can do this? How about no? Like, can we start in an easier place than the parents? Totally. Because I yeah. feel like that's the oldest, heart, most in- endemic ingrained one, if there ever was one. Family relationships do tend to be tricky. And it makes a lot of sense because that's the first group we belong to. And we really want to belong to that group. It's just a matter of negotiating. Here are the rules for belonging to the group with here's how I want to live my life. Choosing the area, um, that can be any area. Maybe, maybe it is setting expectations with clients beforehand. Rather than just allowing myself to just be on this roller coaster ride that feels like it's totally uncontrollable, I'm going to pick one thing. Like, none of this sounds like any fun at all, right? I got to be honest. Like I, I'm, pro- I'm sure there are people out there who are like, I feel sick to my stomach. Skip, skip, skip. Fast forward. I will tell <laughs> you the, re- the next episode. I will tell you the yes, really so fun part. As you allow your brain to build different awareness, without fail, every single person I work with is like, oh my God, I never realized. I was people pleasing here and here and here and here and here. And the awareness... The way, and and yes, I mean, that might not sound like, wow, that's an awareness we all want, but it really just becomes so satisfying to number one, to see it and to feel like I am in a position to change it. Hmm. Like this isn't just going to happen to me for the rest of my life. For the first time, I know I can change this. I can move the needle on it and moving the needle gets me closer to the life I actually want to be living. I think it is shocking the number of times that I ask the question, are you living the life you want to be living? And they're like, no, not at all. Not even Mm -hmm. close. We're not even in the ballpark. Yeah. Nope. And it just feels completely out of my control. And so if I can take a person who feels that way, like they're a one on that 10 scale, and I can introduce Mm -hmm. them to two, they're like, oh my gosh, that would feel amazing. If I could tell my parents no, that I'm not going to drop everything and go to Costco, that would feel amazing. And it does feel amazing because what you learn is to be with guilt like any other run-of-the-mill emotion. Like guilt, I eat guilt for breakfast. <laughs> because the alternative- I put Cholula on mine. <laughs> I put Cholula on my guilt and I take it in two bites. Because the alternative is- It's going to be seven o'clock and you're still at your office. It's going to be eight o'clock and now you've missed your daughter's violin concert. It's going to be nine o'clock and now all the kids are in bed and you won't get to see them until tomorrow night. That's the alternative. And when we can get really honest about that, guilt for breakfast is like done. And that feels good. All right. So this has been super useful and really illuminating about some of the forces that might be in play that keep accountants at the office 60 hours, 80 hours a week. It's a lot to take in, and yet it's really simple. So can you summarize for us as we wrap up here three simple steps to keep in our back pocket at all times? Yes. Number one, never say yes in the moment. Always give yourself a buffer. So number one, the buffer. Some kind of canned response. I'd love to check and see if that works. I'll get back to you. 
I like to use the word love a lot. Like I would love to see if that works. I would love to see if that's possible (laughs) because I feel so good saying it. So I'm just going to throw that out there for everyone. Like I would love to see if that's, if that's, if that's a match, let me get, let me get back to you. But to never say yes in the moment, that has to be the first commitment because the buffer provides the opportunity for step number two, which is for you to name the discomfort that you are trying to avoid and name the inevitable discomfort that will happen if you say yes. Oh, okay. Yep. So I'm Thank feeling you. I'm feeling guilty now, and that's why I want to say yes. But if I say yes, inevitably I'm going to feel overwhelmed. I'm going to feel resentful. Name the discomfort of the now, name the discomfort of the future. Okay. And then pick one. <laughs> so simple. I choose to feel guilty saying no now because I don't want the resentment and overwhelm of saying yes. And then feel guilty. (laughs) Just feel it. It's shitty either way, right? So just feel the guilt of now, put some Cholula on it and feel it because you'll live. If you know for sure it's resentment and overwhelm and overworked and worried and sad and powerless later, like, oh my gosh, guilt now to avoid all that later, it's a no-brainer. Got it. All right. Game on, Sarah. If people want to find out more about you or you have something to give away, right? Yeah. I would love to give all of your listeners a guide that I have created called How to Have Difficult Conversations. Because one thing people pleasers do is they avoid setting limits or boundaries through difficult conversations, because they're anticipating someone else's displeasure. And so this guide just walks them through how to prepare to have that conversation in a way that honors them and their time and the boundaries that they want to create. Awesome. Where can we find it? And we'll link to it in the show notes for people who are without pens. It is on my website, sarahfisk.coach. That's where you can find that and download it. And then I'm also on um, Facebook as Sarah Fisk Coaching and Instagram at Sarah Fisk Coach. And I talk about this stuff all day long. All right, listeners, if you're people pleasing, go avail yourself of Sarah's resources. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. I've loved it. Thank you. Well, that gave me loads to... Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.